Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. Shot and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can but talk film. I'm sorry, take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd will jump out of the gods. Let's action. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Fan Expo 2022 and beyond, which we'll be at. I mean, hopefully this fucking episode will be up before then, Jesus Christ. And you can see us on the creator stage Saturday, which we might have. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I've only done this for 12 years, which we might have a guest. We might not. It might just be us bullshitting about something. We don't know yet. But you also be able to stop by our booth and pick up some dope-ass stickers, uh, some dope-ass shirts, and see some dope-ass podcasters. I have one of those dope-ass podcasters with me right now. Say hello, Brad. And this dope-ass podcaster also has glasses for you to pick up, too. Oh, that's right. Glasses. Those are sweet as fuck. I'm drinking out of one right now. Oh, yeah, it's so evil, daddy. <laughs> hell to the king, baby. I mean, hell to the nerds, baby. Tastes like snark and, and, and evil. <laughs> so every week we see a new movie. We podcast our experience to the world. This week we saw The Black Phone with Colorado's own Scott Derrickson directing and taking place in Denver. Which I was... Yeah, sure, yeah. With, but when uh, I saw the license plates on the cars and Ethan Hawke's dude was from Colorado, I went, ooh, in the trailer. And now, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, takes place in Colorado, quote unquote. More on that later. Yeah. Um, we also, usually we do the big news story of the week and box office numbers, but it's my show, so I'm going to change it up. Oh, I, wanted to stay, I wanted to stay fresh, Brad. You know, people tune in every week. I want them to be like, oh, I don't even know what these guys are going to do. Fuck. So like those uh, cheese bags. Yeah. These guys are douchebags. I'm not listening to them anymore. Um, so this week we're going to be doing what we've been watching. <gasps> but we start every week with the review of our movie of the week. Brad, do you recommend the black phone? Yeah, I guess it's all right. Um, I wasn't. Uh, terribly impressed um, but it, I wouldn't say it's a bad film um, I just didn't quite get into it Ooh, I'm a little different on this one I actually like this movie oh, um, well you're wrong just no you're wrong let's fight yeah let's do um, it fuck you asshole 
Um, You're Cisco. I'm Ebert. Let's do this. Oh man, they're both dead. <laughs> who wants the rest of the podcast? Is just the other cancer. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Um, yeah, you're terrible. You're an asshole. I know. So no, I, re- I I liked it. I thought Ethan Hawke was really creepy in it. Um, I'm a big fan of Scott Derrickson, and I think it just continues doing well. Um, yeah, this movie has uh, quite a few spoilers in it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a tense movie. It's well made. Uh, here's the trailer for the Black Phone. Would you like to see a magic trick? Yeah. really starting to like you Finny I almost let you go don't hang up who are you you know all our names it doesn't work hang it up I made you some breakfast. Where'd you put that? Salt and pepper. <laughs> Have you seen this boy? My brother, he was taken. By a man with black balloons. <laughs> I had a dream about it. Please let the dreams be real. How? There's a combination lock. What's the combination? Hang up the phone! Ah! You don't have much time. You're gonna use a weapon. You are special, Finny. Please hurry! The creepiest damn thing. I think I wrote it down in my letterbox review that I, I appreciated that it spent a lot of time uh, creating an authentic seventies production design. Um, but I feel like, like my reaction to the movie is that they, they spent, they spent a lot of time on that. And I, I know the story isn't like original. It's adapted from Joe Hill. Is that the author? Yeah. Um, from those stories. I think they're like, multiple stories and not just one I, i'm unclear on the, the source but um you know it's not just uh derrickson's original material so um you know um but yeah i i i, I wasn't as interested in the story as i was everything else about it like it definitely had plenty of intense moments and uh you know it, uh what ethan hawk was creepy um but i, I felt like there's a lot of style over substance for me how about you ryan yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell people what the movie's about. Uh, it's, um, it's about a, 
it, I don't think it's Denver. Um, no, it's North Carolina. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I looked in the credits for that. Uh, yeah, like the, the houses looked reminiscent of Denver, but, and I know they tried to put the, the Rocky Mountains in the background um, to give it that, that feel, but there was just something about the, the atmosphere that felt more like Oregon to me. So, um, you know, I, the, the Colorado is hard to replicate. Um, and we're biased because we live here. Um, but I mean, with the Rocky Mountain News and his dad works at Rocky Flats. Um, There's tons of Denver know, Easter eggs. Yeah, a lot of Denver Easter eggs. Um, you know, Cliffhanger took place in the Rocky Mountains. And you can tell those are not Rocky Mountains. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like um, the Alps or something. Yeah, but it's fine. I mean, I, I still got the Denver vibe from it. And I was cool with it. Um, and it, the story is really a bunch of kids from this boy who's named Finney school and his sister Gwen um, are kidnapped and or not. Uh, yeah. The kids are kidnapped from the school and uh, his sister and the town's uh, people have nicknamed him the grabber because the kids are just grabbed and taken somewhere. And the first half of the movie is really just uh, a story about the kids and them going through the trauma of, have an abusive and alcoholic father, which yeah, I thought they're... was really, was really interesting. And, and then the second half is, uh, Finney gets kidnapped by Ethan Hawke's character, uh, the grabber. And he's placed in a basement with uh, a black phone that is disconnected, but it rings and he can talk to, um, the previous victims of the grabber who we learn aren't just kidnapped, but they're, you know, brutally murdered. And um, his sister uh, has some form of uh, telepathy, or would you, or is it, what would you call that? Clairvoyance. Clairvoyancy. There we go. Um, where she can, well, I thought that's they can see the future. Or do they see anything? I, I don't, I mean, I'm not that well versed in that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think there's another word. It's, it's escaping me right now. Um, but basically, she sees. Nostrication. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. She sees things that have happened and um so she thinks uh she can help find her brother and it just becomes a battle of uh attrition for uh finney as ethan hawk is you know there's something behind him um and he comes across as nice but still creepy obviously he kidnapped children um but what I love about, you know, this movie and what I like about Derrickson's direction is he's usually pretty good at being scary without being over the top. You know what I mean? It's more of the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, there's a one shot where um, you, you find out that uh, Ethan Hawke's character purposely leaves the door to the basement unlocked because he wants the kids to go upstairs and get and he wants to beat them with a leather belt and there's this really great uh camera movement where it follows up the stairs and it just shows ethan hawk sitting on you know a chair without a shirt on just waiting in his devil mask to attack uh finney and i i just thought it was really uh, effective and uh well made and um I'm I'm still wondering if he 
actually was hearing the voices or he was thinking he was and using everything he knew about those boys that went missing before to, you know, set up the traps because it was all leading to something. And they kept on alluding to that. He's really smart. And I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that's uh, kind of where I'm lost is like, I, I'd, you know, the trailer made this seem like a kind of a supernatural movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's way less supernatural than I thought, but you could make a case that all the supernatural stuff is in Finney's imagination, trying to help him through this crisis. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, his sister can has these visions of things that have happened and that are, are happening. So there's still like a supernatural they made it, there. Yeah. They made an uh, allusion to uh, that, that their mom had it as well. Yeah. So, and then the fact that he comes from an abusive household and this grabber, like that's his thing is he likes to beat the kids mm-hmm. or trick them into getting beaten. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think it might be an allegory for because, like, yeah, broken and, homes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in a way he's standing up to the grabber the way he should have st- stood up to his dad. Exactly. Because, you know, honestly, I think the scariest scene is when the dad's beating the daughter. Um, yeah. And I mean, that seems really tough to watch. I mean, I don't know how you felt watching it, but it was, uh, it, it's familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to bring up childhood trauma. I just thought that is, you know, hard to watch because that, uh, young woman, I don't know her name. Uh, she's really great in that scene. Um, yeah. Overall, the, the kids got a lot of, you know, it's, it's like the Barton Lisa syndrome. Uh, the, the kids are, way smartly like more smartly written than most kids in movies mm-hmm. like like finn is from the get-go pretty savvy on like how what he should do to try to escape yeah uh, which is refreshing too because like a lot of these movies are you know, every character is just so dumb um but yeah there's like also too many convenient things um set up for him to try to escape which maybe just um maybe the grabber had plans like hey if they don't if he doesn't go upstairs, like I, you know, if he tries to go out through the um, window or something, you know, that'd get me off too. Yeah. And you know, there's some parts until the end, whereas I was thinking, I said, well, wouldn't he hear him flushing the toilet all those times? Um, but then yeah. you realize that that house is soundproofed. Yeah. And things like that. And yeah. Cause um, too, like his, his own brother was living <laughs> like right upstairs. You're like, you're telling me he didn't hear anything. Like, and he's yeah. also afraid of that door for some reason, which. Uh, I, yeah, it's yeah. never really explained, but also it could be that he's some drugged out guy. You know what I mean? Oh, um, well, yeah, he was definitely doing cocaine. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I really liked it and I thought it was really effective. Um, it, you know, because there's even the great part where Finney fights back and he knocks off the grabber's mask and his reaction to that he can see his face was really great. Um, and, and the way all the uh, setup played out with how he, you know, hurt the grabber and then trying to get out through the freezer and then the freezer ends up giving him something that he didn't know he needed. And um, Yeah. I was, I was about to be worried that like, you know, the meat was good for the dog. It's just mm-hmm. the dog problem at the end. But before that, you know, I was thinking like, man, all those other kids gave him something useful. And that one kid just like led him to a dead end. Yeah. The door was locked, but yeah, the meat actually came into play, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, just, I, I just really liked it. And then there's yeah. like that hat on a hat post thing where, 
Um, it wasn't just that he was in that house. He was in the house across the street. So mm-hmm. the killer had two houses across from each other. It's like, okay, I think we're going a bit like it's, it's plausible, but I think it just feels like it's extra for me. <laughs> sure. Like just more like, Oh, we need another misdirect. Yeah. So seems a little desperate, but yeah. Yeah. You know, and then I, I one of the things that Derrickson does really well, I think he also plays on this, uh, the sadness of things in sinister, you know, you realize you're watching families being <laughs> murdered. And in this one, you realize that the children are dead. And then when the police go in the basement and they see all those graves and stuff, I mean, I, I think that's kind of like a gut punch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that this is the horrible person and that it, I don't know, stuff like that I, I think is really uh, powerful. Well, they give you hope too, because leading up, you know, his, his, his exchanges with Finney kind of seem like, you know, he keeps telling him like, actually you're kind of different Finney. I don't mm-hmm. know how this is going to go for you. And you're like, Oh, maybe he's, maybe he didn't kill those kids. Maybe he has like some other plan. Um, yeah. But no, it, yeah, it's a gut punch. It's like, Oh yeah. You, Brutally murdered all of them. Yep. Even and if they have, one. yeah, you know, and they have no way out, and they're already gone. And you know, his friend Robin kind of says that. You know, he says it's too late for me, but you have to fight. Yeah, and you also, know, you have to stand up for yourself. But my next question is, uh, you know, did the first one help the second one? But he still failed. Like that was a lot of kids yeah. to go through before Finney, you know, got it right. Yeah, or I, I don't know. I, like I said, I think there can argue he made that the, um, the kids never really, um, never really talked to Finney that he was just thinking about it. And then, um, you know, cause that one kid says, Hey, do you, uh, there's an outlet by the wall. And he says, yeah, I've seen it. And then he kind of goes over there and figures out how to get into it. Um, so I, I think you can make the case that he he was thinking that in his head and that he was using the children that were murdered and kidnapped as inspiration for what yeah. he was doing. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. it can go both ways. Yeah. 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 So, yeah it's it's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you should see it. Um, yeah. I, I was talking to Corinne and I said, you know, it's not too brutal. And she texts me. I saw it at 1030 after the avalanche won the Stanley cup. So I was really late and I was, I said, yeah, you should, it's not too brutal. And then I slept on it. And then I texted her again. I said, you shouldn't see it. Yeah. I, was I, started, say, I started thinking, you know what I mean? Like, his brother gets cleaved bit. in the head. <laughs> yeah. It takes a little bit for me to, it's like the shock of it took a little bit to catch up or, you know, the kid whose throat slit and he's bent over and you're like, Whoa! Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I told Corinne maybe wait till it's streaming, and then if it gets too intense, you can turn it off. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So I'm bringing back a segment we haven't done in a long time, Brad. A segment I like to call "What We've Been Watching." So uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I, I will put one caveat on it, Brad. Um, if you. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, Mad God, but uh, you know we could make that our movie of the week this week. Um, oh, really? It's, it's playing at Alamo. Cool. Well, yeah, I've seen it, so 
or we can um or we if can you, make it you know if you can see minion. it before saturday morning yeah it's i think i was gonna see it thursday um cool yeah so if that's what you want to do or there's also minions rise of group but no, anyways I'm good yeah <laughs> what uh what'd you watch this week oh uh me okay um yeah i've actually been clamoring to do something like this uh but yeah i'll um I'll I'll sing the praises of the uh, the boys season three. Have you oh, nice. watched, watched the boys at all? No, I keep oh. on meaning to. It's it's like on my queue, and Amazon keeps recommending it for me. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, we talk about uh, like the DC universe making superheroes more realistic and more grounded in reality. Um, and I'd say the boys is probably the most realistic interpretation of superheroes. Uh, like, oh. what would really happen if people had those powers? Uh, sadly, in this day and age, um, and there's uh, right out, right out of the gate, episode one of this season. I, I don't want to say it because it's it's amazing, but it, it's uh, like I, I it's something that happened that I was like never thought I'd see that. So nice, uh, definitely, uh, definitely check that out. It's it's great. Um, yeah, um, can't sing enough praises that. Oh gosh, what was the other thing? I guess uh, I finally watched a uh, few good men. Nice. Uh, He's awesome. Seen that. Yeah. It's uh actually had to watch it a couple times, not because it sucked, but just cause I would watch a little bit and then fall asleep. So, and then you realize it's three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say the first two hours are kind of like, okay, standard nineties procedural thing, but that third act yeah. is fantastic. Oh yeah. The courtroom scene is what makes the whole movie. I mean, yeah, it's stork and dialogue, so it's fun for the first two hours. But the last third of it, where they're in the courtroom with uh, Jessup, and oh, it's so awesome! Yeah. It's just like a master class in acting by those two. Even more than that, I was just like wondering, like, how are they going to get this guy? Because I, I know they do, because pop mm-hmm. culture has told me they get him. But I was yep. like, how are they? You know, what's the twist here? And like, yeah, his whole breaking yeah. down the case and everything at the end was great. And then finally, and you think about all the like great actors that are in that movie. Oh you yeah. Know what I mean, um, it's, yeah. Background maybe, people that, you know, yeah. it's funny. Like Kiefer Sutherland kind of plays a similar character to the, like who he was in like time to kill. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, like the cleaned up Marine version of that character. Yeah. Um, but his testimony is great when he gets on the stand. I, I mean, he's so good in it. And I mean, he doesn't even have that big of a part, but yeah. it, 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 he's really good at it. And I think those are the kind of parts that actors like, you know, it's not a big part, but it's a really good part. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it was great. Like if Jessup ordered him to be protected, why did he have to be protect? Like, yeah, why'd he have to be shielded? Yeah. It was a great logic argument to go in there. But again, you can do that when you write the script. Yep. Um, and then what else? I watched a League of Their Own for the first time. I love that movie. Yeah, another long one, uh, surprisingly, yep. but uh, yeah, uh, just a nice, nice movie. I don't know. Was, uh, it, uh, Tom Hanks's character was a little bit more like rude than I thought. Uh, yeah, it takes a little be. bit for you to, to like his character because he starts off as a drunk chauvinist asshole. So yeah. it takes you a little bit to like him. And I love by the end uh, when that like one woman's husband dies and he gets the. The telegram and he's like finally on their side yep um yeah it's great um god there's one more great thing that i watched uh we talked about the end of watch rrr oh yeah um but did you watch kenobi 
or do oh, we talk yeah. about Kenobi already? Yeah, last Kenobi's week? fucking awesome. <laughs> but the season finale, did we do that last week? Was it the week, episode before? No, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't talked about it, obviously because we haven't talked about what we've been watching. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do uh, Kenobi first. Uh, I thought it was like, I think it's a very fan servicey show. Like, I didn't think the story was interesting, but it provided elements that just people on the internet wanted to see, and uh, in that aspect, it delivered. Like that final battle between Kenobi and Darth Vader was great. Like it's one of the better lightsaber battles in the saga. Um, yeah. And but, I love, uh, I posted on Twitter, but I love when Vader says your strength has returned, but your weakness remains. Like, <laughs> yes. I don't know. I've always wanted, uh, yeah. I mean, I think you're right on playing for fan service, but it's still fun to see Darth Vader be that powerful, you know, where he's, bringing down jet uh spaceships and um just cutting through fools like they're nothing it's weird like he somehow can hold kenobi in the air and not just shred him into pieces but he can also keep a a giant starship from taking off (laughs) i'm a little confused on his strength levels um but i don't know i don't even know how kenobi even like wasn't able to counter him holding him in the air at all but i don't know it's midichlorian science. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, it's cool to see Vader just be the terrifying. Because yeah, in the original prequel saga, like he does a couple, like his first lightsaber battle with Obi-Wan is pretty like tame. And then when he fights mm-hmm. Luke, it's like, you know, he doesn't want to kill him. So yeah, it, it can't get too aggressive. But yeah, him and Rogue One in here, just that's the Vader that we've been told to fear. So. Yeah, and I mean, there's, uh, you know, in this one, he's fueled by his hatred for Kenobi, and and you know, he wants revenge against which clouds his judgment. Not, and, and you know, Anakin is such a great character that it, it's really fun to see it fleshed out a little bit. But they did, I mean, they even had the hello there, you know, when he saw Luke at the end, um, yeah. which is. I mean, it's fun. I, I, so, I, like so I guess it. I all you... Star Wars shows are just going to be about rescuing children. Is that the yeah. plan going forward? <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> just find a kid and keep them safe. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, also, like with Reva, I'm a little confused as to why her plan was to secretly kill Darth Vader, but also she had plenty of chances to do that and just waited on them. So to do other things. So I, her whole arc was kind of confusing. I thought it was cool that you know, those characters were converted Jedi Padawans. Yeah. But yeah, her, if her goal was to kill Vader, she had plenty of chances. Well, remember, he, she didn't know Kenobi. that Anakin and Vader were one and the same until Kenobi told her. At the, and I think it's episode five when Vader stabbed her. She didn't know that Vader and Anakin are the same person? Uh-uh. She had to be told. Huh. I, th- I thought that was like a well-known thing among the empire. No, I mean, I, I most people would only know him as Lord Vader. Cause remember the first half of the series, she, all she wanted to do was impress him. Cause she wanted to be, you know, what she ended up being the, you know, first sister, grand inquisitor or whatever. Well, yeah, to be able uh, to get close to him. Cause he's a recluse, but yeah. And she got close to him and then she was just like, I'm going to let this play out a little longer, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So Palpatine, like, just walked in one day and like, I found this guy. His name is Darth Vader. Don't ask questions. Like, <laughs> well, he's always 
you know, the Sith always have an apprentice. And the biggest lie the Sith tell you is they only have one. <laughs> <laughs> I've read Darth Plagueis, the book. Um, and then I'll get through RR really quick because we have a 10 minute warning. Um, that's seven minutes now. Uh, yeah, RRR is a uh, Tollywood film, not Bollywood film. Um, it's a three and a half hour epic with an intermission about uh, loosely based on two historical Indian figures, uh, real life figures. And this movie is like the fantasy version of that, where uh, one is a, I guess, like a royal guard policeman up and coming through the ranks. And the other one is a protector of like a um how would it, like an indigenous village, and the rich British evil British people go and like start doing child trafficking. So they kidnap one of the village's kids and brings it back to the palace to just be, I guess, one of them. I'm not sure. Um, and so the protector of the village has to travel to the the palace to rescue her, and then meanwhile the other guy. Um, has been tasked with stopping him. But before they find out that they're enemies, they become friends. <laughs> so like the first half of the movie is them being like the best buds ever. And it's delightful. And the opening sequence is crazy because there's like a kid stranded on a, a, like a, a burning raft in the middle of the river. And then the one guy is standing on the bridge and he like locks eyes with the other guy and they immediately know what to do. And the one guy hijacks a motorcycle, gets to the top of the bridge. The other one hijacks a horse and gets to the bridge. And they both jump off either sides with a rope and swing around and, like touch fists <laughs> and rescue the kid. And like, oh, my God. And that's just the beginning. And there's yeah, crazy insane stuff at the end. And there's like a big like Rambo-esque fight scene at the very end. Um, it's amazing. Um, I heard it's pretty insane. Yeah, if you can catch it in the theater, I recommend it because the sound design was amazing, especially with like the Indian music. Uh, there's just like an amazing dance sequence in it. Um, but yeah, like watching at home, like I would be disappointed listening to the sound compared to what I saw or yes on the theater. Um, mm. Yeah. And also, shoot, I've, I saw a movie called Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Yeah. Uh, I want to make that one of the movies of the week. So do you mind uh, hanging on on that one? I will shut up right now. So cool, cause I think it comes out here in like two weeks. Well, yeah. they have a showing tomorrow at amc highlands ranch and i looked and it's sold out so yeah um we'll talk about more but it's delightful so there you go um and rr also highly recommended uh so ryan what'd you watch uh well we already talked about kenobi which i I had a lot of fun watching and um yeah that last uh, we already talked the last uh, lightsaber battle was awesome and lately i've been (laughs) my kid's been wanting to watch adam sandler movies so we watched uh, Mr. Deeds uh, first, and and that one's silly and fun, and but uh, it, it has like the hallmarks of late '90s, early 2000s Adam Sandler films, where he's a doofus, and, but he's also really sweet, and he gets a girl who's way out of his league to kind of fall for him, um, and then it also has weird humor in it. Uh, John Turturro is a butler. Who very is sneaky, very sneaky, and just keeps on showing up in random places that doesn't make it's any sense. Real news. Um, it, it's just normal Adam Sandler silliness, but I mean, I love stuff like that. I, I'm a big Adam Sandler apologist, and so I, I freaking will watch his movies and love them. People are saying and, his uh, uh, hustle movies really good. I know, I know, I need to see it. It's freaking work's been killing me lately. Um, 
And uh, the last thing I watched this week was uh, The Wedding Singer, which is one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. Um, is a movie I saw a lot at Denver West, uh, the old Denver West theater that's not there anymore. Um, and it's just, that's another one, just like the 80s aesthetic of it, the soundtrack. Um, Adam Sandler's great in it, and he has great chemistry with Drew Barrymore, which they continued in the also delightful 50 first dates. But I, I remember the wedding singer and the water boy kind of being uh, the turning point for Adam Sandler as a movie star, where yeah, I think then Big Daddy, I think those yeah, three oh, together. Yeah, because yeah, think, yeah that, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore were like you know stupid fun bro comedies, but yeah, those other three actually had like a lot of emotional weight to them. And I want to say they those came out consecutively. I think it went um, yeah, it Wedding Singer, Wedding Water Singer, Boy, and Big Daddy. Yeah, Water Boy and Big Daddy. If I can remember correctly, I know I'm old, so. And then little Nikki. <laughs> yeah, we'll skip over little Nikki. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I still love Adam Sandler. I, I might do an article where I watch all his movies and rank them, and just because I enjoy them, and just to put it out there. So, yeah, that's all I really watched. I'm just having fun going through Adam Sandler's filmography right now uh, with my kid, because these movies are tame and uh, silly enough that he really likes them. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if he's going to appreciate, um, you know, funny people like I do so, <laughs> or punch drunk love. So uh, these ones are really fun to watch again. And that's what I've been watching. Cool. So, so no, yeah, good. Uh, yeah. Next week, our film of the week is going to be mad God. Um, you can also find us at fan expo Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we will be there and we will be hosting panels. And one I'm doing is with the producers of Batman, the animated series and mask of the phantasm. And I'm really excited to do that one. I wanted to do it and I didn't ask for it and I was given it anyways. So um, it'll complete, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to do Kevin Conroy's was it five years ago now. Um, yeah, probably more, which is one of my most favorite ones I ever did. Cause I brought up, during the panel that we read that he was an opera major and remember when he brought the house down singing opera fuck that was awesome um and he has a real nerd shirt and he said he appreciated it in his cool batman voice and i felt like that's when me as a real nerd arrived is when kevin conroy in batman voice appreciated a gift i gave him and was super cool so it was it was a great moment for me um, so yeah, anyways, we'll see you there. If the other nerds dropped anything, you'll hear it now. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you at the movies. Bye. Hey nerds, Corinne here for another installment of Showtime, where I recommend something cool I've watched lately. This week I'm going to recommend Mr. Malcolm's List, which is a new movie that released on July 1st. And it's a period drama, like... Regency era, Victorian era, not exactly sure. It's, I think it's like 1822, but anyway, um, it's a set, yeah, it's in England, and this guy, Mr. Malcolm, he has a list of all the qualifications he wants in a wife, and of course, no lady so far has been able to meet all of his qualifications, and so he's getting a reputation for, like, taking a woman out basically one time, and then just, like, kind of 
well, practically dumping her. Um, so one of the ladies that he has recently, quote, dumped, um, wants to get revenge after she finds out about the list. So she, um, recruits a friend of hers to come in from the country and, you know, puts together this scheme of like, we're going to make you into his ideal woman and then you're going to break his heart and you're going to reveal your own list. And it goes about how you would expect it to go. But I just had a lot of fun with it and thought the actors did a good job. So if you're into like Downton Abbey or, you know, Jane Austen type stuff, then you would probably like Mr. Malcolm's List. I don't think the nerds would like it because it's not really their thing. But yeah, if if you are one of those people, if you like Downton Abbey or, you know, Regency period dramas, Bridgerton all that kind of stuff, then, yeah, it's probably more up your alley. So, anyway, check out Mr. Malcolm's List in theaters now, and I will talk to you guys next time with something. (laughs) Bye! Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Alright, this week, I know I'm really far behind on a lot of these, and they're not dropping on the weeks that I'm doing them, so... I'm just going to tell you everything that's going on around town and go really far ahead so maybe I cover it all as far as I can go. Um, This week at the drive-in starting on July 8th, uh, they have The Minions, The Rise of Gru, and Jurassic World Dominion as their double feature, and The Holiday Twin. On screen one, they have Thor Love and Thunder and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and screen two has Minions and Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion, Minion, Dominion, Minion, so much Minion. Um, And then looking ahead, the Esquire Late Nights, Cine Insomnia now. Um, This weekend, again, July 8th and 9th, is American Psycho. And then next weekend, July 15th and 16th, they have Star Wars A New Hope, the special edition. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the Disney Plus special edition or not. Um, or whatever. There's so many Blu-ray versions. I, yeah, hopefully it's at least just the 97 version. Um, and then the weekend after that, July 22 and 23 is the Empire Strikes Back. And then of course the last weekend of every month, they have the room in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then starting in August, they finish up with the Return of the Jedi on the 5th and 6th. And then August 12th and 13th, they got Mulholland Drive. 19th and 20th, they have John Wick. And then again, last weekend of the month, The Room and Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then September 2nd and 3rd, hopefully I'm caught up by then, but uh, they have Donnie Darko, and they're advertising the original theatrical cut. Uh, Didn't know there were different versions of that, so that's what's going on around town. Oh, and also, I guess I should note that uh, next weekend I will be at Troma Dance showing my film, the Legend of Drunken Brewmaster, and uh, if you want to see Trauma Dance, you can go to the Mahoning Drive-In in Pennsylvania, uh, the 15th, 16th, and 17th. They have, on Friday and Saturday, six of their most popular films, um, And then on Sunday, they have the shorts program, which is what I'm a part of. So uh, I think it costs like 8 or $10 for tickets. 
And then um, if you want, they even have the option of like camping out there at their drive-in. So that's an extra fee you can do if you want. But um, yeah, if you want to go to Stroma Dance, you can, you can just go get tickets. Um, look up the Mahoney Drive-In and uh, look up Troma Dance and uh, enjoy three nights of Troma stuff. And that's what's going on around town for a few weeks now. For as long as I can get caught up. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolognium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.